0: We didn't really have a Eureka moment, like that Eureka moment took us six months, Mehdi and myself. So after the Food Panda exit, you know, like we had the luxury of time and we spent literally six months discussing what would be the next idea or the next project that we would work on. And we ended up listing more than 87 ideas.
1: So, thank you everybody for joining us on the NUA Capital podcast. We have uh, a very special episode for you today. One of our favorite companies, a company that we've been, uh, a pair of founders and a company that we've been with for a few years now, even predating our time with uh, NUA Capital. The company is Iowa, and we have with us Anas and Mahdi, the founders. So, maybe we can start off by uh, if you guys want to
0: introduce yourselves each uh, individually. Anas, maybe starting with you. Sure, first thanks a lot for having us, really happy to be here. Um, So my name is Anas, I'm originally from Morocco, born and raised in Casablanca. Um, Did my studies between Montreal, Paris and Singapore. I started my career in investment banking in in London and Paris. And then I moved to Dubai about 10 years back to work in strategy consulting with Bain & Company. Um, So I did that for a few years and that's where I met with Mehdi. So Mehdi is today my co-founder, but we've been working together for the last seven years. Uh, We first met at Bain, we were both strategy consultants, Um, and then funny enough, we both were recruited by Rocket Internet um, to be the co-managing directors of Foodpanda in the Middle East. Uh, Foodpanda was this large startup in the the food delivery space, it had raised like $350 million, um, present in 45 countries, and Mehdi and myself were looking after the Middle East, and then eventually we got acquired by Delivery Hero, and, and that's when Mehdi and myself decided to take everything we've learned and, and to start something of our own, and we started Iowa. Um So before maybe telling you more about EIWAL, just let Mehdi introduce himself as well.
2: Sure, um, thanks. Uh, thanks Khaled for having us today. Uh, so my name is Mehdi. I'm originally from Morocco as well, born and raised. I studied between France and China. Uh, then I decided to work a bit in China for a French company called Valeo in the automotive industry. I moved to Dubai in two thousand nine. Joined Bain and Company as a strategy consultant. Spent a few years with them here in the region, um, and then you know decided to take a break to move to the U.S. and do my MBA at Stanford in California. Uh, there, you know, everything kind of changed for me. I was, you know, my classmates were entrepreneurs. My uh, professors were ex-entrepreneurs. we were surrounded by by startups uh in in the silicon valley and that got me really excited about becoming an entrepreneur myself but i wanted to come back and do something here in the region Um, so after graduating i moved back to dubai uh, came back to bain just for a few months and that's where i met anas and after a few months we both were approached by rocket internet and the rest of the story is pretty much the same Uh, we've been working together since
1: Awesome. So what, like for you both, and before we get into Iowa, I think uh, what kind of prompted the move from, from Bain to, um, to Rocket as the first step in your sort of entrepreneurial journey? What, what kind of drove you to that decision? Because, you know, there are hundreds of, of thousands of like, you know, uh, management consultants out here in the, in, in the region and emerging markets more broadly. Uh, and it's it's a tough choice, no, like to kind of t- jump off that kind of career path. So what what was what was the driver for you each?
2: Happy happy to start. So for me, it was very simple. I think consulting um, kind of makes you risk averse, you know, because your client's facing all the time, and you know, you need everything that you're presenting to the client has to be perfect. And you know, through the years of going through, you know, I, I spent close to six years in consulting. Um, it's really hard to make the jump to be an entrepreneur and start something from scratch. And I think the experience of Foodpanda kind of gave me that transition uh, where I could be an entrepreneur, um, build a startup, but still having that you know support of a larger organization that was already well-funded. And I think it was a great way for me to do something different than my consulting career, which is what I had done for, for the longest time. Uh, but still having some kind of comfort in uh, knowing that there is a big, a big you know, machine behind me and very quickly realized that actually, you know, this is what I wanted to do for a living and, and I was ready to make the jump to be an entrepreneur. And
1: Anas, is it the same for you?
0: No, I relate a lot with what Media has said, but I think on top of it, on my side, like there was this itch of building something. Um, you know, like when, when you're a consultant, like you advise others and you tell them what to do, but you don't make it happen yourself. So you're not responsible for the outcome. And I always felt that, you know, like I was leaving something on the table that I wanted to see, you know, like the, the, the journey from A to Z, from the thinking and creation part into the execution and implementation and, and, and reaping the results of, of, of that thinking part. Um, and, and really I, re- I wanted to go and, and, and and build something I didn't know what to do. And this transition, as Mehdi mentioned, of doing it with Foodpanda was absolutely great for us uh, because it, it gave us the opportunity to build a company but have the support of a larger organization behind us uh, to make it happen. Um, so it made the transition very easy for us. And then when we were done with that chapter, when we, the company was acquired, you know, it felt very natural for both Mehdi and myself to start thinking about the next step and, and to do something of our own.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost like Rocket as a halfway house, right? Like you kind of like go halfway <laughs> out into the open. Um, the other really interesting thing about Rocket is, you know, maybe the alumni network, right? Like you... Um, I mean, we met like that, right? We met through uh, Nitin Rein, who who worked with us at Wamda, who was uh, also an alumni, right? Of the Rocket uh, Machine. How how powerful is that? Like, do you do you find that? Do you kind of lean on that network today in your hiring and, and raising money, or or not so much? And like, curious to to know how you think about that network.
0: Uh, absolutely, that, that's very true. Like when. Out of our first 10 hires, about five or six worked with us at Rocket Internet. Um, some of them actually also worked with us at Bain and companies. So like we tapped a lot into our existing networks. Um, but Rocket you know, like has built a lot of the early digital companies in the Middle East. Um, so when you're looking for people that have some experience, um, very often you, found, you find that, they have, that they're coming from the, the Rocket Internet background. And then you have that shared culture as well that helps um, have, you know, like create a layer of understanding on, on how to work together. I think you know, one piece that was missing from the rocket internet companies is, is on the culture side, um, you know, like on, on, on uh, having a, a people focused culture, but on the other side, what was very strong on, on their culture is that they're they really focused on making things happen, on moving fast, or, or, of being okay with mistakes, uh, being okay with things not being perfect and that being done and having something be live is more important than having something that is um, perfect and, and, and completely polished um, and when, when you're in, in the early stages of a company you, know, like you, you want to have that mindset where you try things and you try to figure out what's the right product market fit and, and the people from the, from the network of Rocket Internet have that same mindset so that was very helpful. Um, and beyond that, you know, like we, we have that shared um, background and it allows us like, to, to remain in touch. Like we reach out to people all the time that, are, that have worked at Rocket Internet in other countries uh, that might be doing something similar to us. Like for example, there's this company in Eastern Europe called Irem and the founder, uh, Martin, Used to be at in, uh, with Rocket Internet in in uh, in Thailand uh, or Vietnam. I think in Vietnam, um, so it's very easy like to reach out to this global network of uh, kind of entrepreneurs um, that that have this shared culture, shared background, and it just uh, it, it's something that's very valuable.
1: Yeah, Matt, do you feel the same? I mean, have you kind of both also tapped into it in a that way?
2: Yeah, I th- I think you know. Rocket Internet is is like a startup school in a way, you know. It's like you're getting a crash course in startup. It's All their startups are extremely well-funded. Um, so, you know, you get very fast-paced growth, but there is consistency in the way that they execute. And they have best practices that they've developed over the years that they apply to all of their startups. And so through that, you know that the people f- that have been through a Rocket Internet experience will have, you know, A certain uh, set of skills, and they're going to be great at execution. Um, And so we definitely like to tap into that network because we know what to expect from someone that's been through that journey. I mean,
1: one thing that's interesting is like GFC Global Founders Capital is is basically because the network is so big. You know, our reading of it is that, you know, they built a fund to invest in that network, basically, right, that they're able to kind of like, you know invest in their alumni in the same way like universities use like you know you have like for example MIT has the E14 fund and Stanford has Startex and and all these uh, basically rocket is is tapping into that in a very similar way which is which is great i mean it's good for the especially emerging market ecosystems overall so what 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 got you into um i mean just shifting gears into iowa specifically so what what was that uh you know the uh, does it, uh, at the uh, at the risk of sounding like, you know, like the cliche, but like, what was the eureka moment of like, this is what we want to do, like, and, and maybe get to take a second to think to kind of identify the problem and tell us what Iowa is and what it means to you.
0: So we like, we envisioned Iowa to become the largest iwear company in the Middle East. Uh, we started by focusing on e-commerce because we identified that this was where the biggest gap was. Nobody was doing e-commerce with the right ambition and understanding of how big it can become in this vertical. Um, But from from the beginning, we also knew that we're going to be moving upstream in the value chain and that we will be creating our own brands. So today we have six brands of eyewear between sunglasses, eyeglasses, color contact glasses, and clear contact glasses. Um, And from the beginning, we also knew that we will be opening retail stores. So we started with our first store, in December, we opened our second, about two weeks back, we're opening our third store this week. Um, so we've, we've been moving towards offline retail because we want to offer an omnichannel experience uh, to our customers, and we want to be where the customers are. Um, so th- that is AOI in a nutshell. So when it comes to your question, like we didn't really have a Eureka moment, like that Eureka moment took us six months, Mehdi and myself. So after the Food Panda exit, you know, like we had the luxury of time, and we spent literally six months discussing what would be the next idea or the next project with, that we would work on, and we ended up listing more than eighty-seven ideas. Um, so like universe of option, and, and we got a lot of inspiration from what's happening all over the world in the U.S., in China, in India, in Europe, in Africa, uh, looking at problems that we that were specific to the Middle East. Um, so we listed these 87 ideas and we listed like a, a list of criteria of what was important for Mehdi and myself. Um, and we had like 15 sets of criteria where, and, and then we spent six months scoring those, those ideas against the criteria. And, and then we moved from a list of 87 ideas to 17 and from 17 to 3. And at the same time, like we started meeting with uh, industry experts because like in some areas like we didn't have enough knowledge. And at the end of this exercise, we realized that the right fit for us, the right project, would be in the eyewear space. It's something that that connected with us on a personal level, because both Mehdi and myself, we wear eyeglasses and wear contact glasses. But it's also something that connected with us because we saw the need in in our region. It's not a category that was disrupted. It's a category that has been dominated by players that are 100 years old. Um, and it was an exciting challenge, like to bring this, uh, create additional value and new value for the customers um, by by creating a new company in the space. So because of that, we we decided to move in, in and, and build Iowa. But this really wasn't like a eureka moment. It took us like a, a a lot of thinking, a lot of efforts to get there. I don't know, Mehdi, if you wanna add something on on, on this.
2: No, I, th- I think you summarized it quite well. And what's important also to highlight is we chose iowa because we believed that that was you know the idea that was the most fitting with our criteria at the time when we launched right there are a lot of other ideas that ended up happening Uh, you know we often meet with entrepreneurs that are fundraising or that you know have just launched startups that were part of of the list that we had built and i think there were a lot of great ideas in there but iowa just really fit what we were looking to build together uh, at the time of our career where we were and, you know, we saw that this was something that was proven around the world, but there was absolutely nothing being done in our region. And we believe, you know, with our experience and our, you know, kind of laser-focused execution, uh, we, would, we, we were the right people to pull it off. So that's why we decided to go for it.
1: I mean, that's super interesting because what you, you typically hear, your, your, your typical kind of story here is like, you know, Entrepreneur X is really passionate about in some sector whereas uh, i think you guys it's like you're and tell me if i'm misreading this is you're you're passionate about building and then you want to find the right thing to build for but the original the original sin as it were the original kind of thing is like we want to build it's not that i it's not eyewear but then the eyewear fit to you is that
0: is that kind of like a, a way to think about it that's correct. And this is the advice that I give to a lot of my friends that want to start something and they and, and don't know what to start. Like I tell them that it's okay not to know. Like you just have to spend the time in a room with a white paper and you'll figure it out. And that's what we did. You know, like most of those, those times that like we're just discussing ideas, we didn't have like a eureka moment. We didn't have like a painful experience that pushed us into solving a problem. And we just tried to figure out, okay, well, what is it that's out there that we could do that could be fun and exciting for us, and and that could you know like deliver against you know what we believed was important for us, um, and 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 it was IWARE, like we wanted to have for example a like positive contribution to society and IWARE does that like instead of um, you know and and we wanted like something that can um, that can scale up that can you know like go and able, like something that can be exported uh, to other countries that can be, um, like, uh, wide-reaching. Yeah. I mean, arguably, like, a, yeah, arguably, like,
1: a very early-stage startups with, like, um, seasoned founders such as yourselves, they, they pivot anyway. So you almost, like, skip the pivot, one, one element of the pivot, right? And you just went, you, found, you kind of, that was part of the discovery was to skip the pivot and go straight into finding the right company, the right fit.
0: Yeah, we still had to pivot once we started. You know, like, so to give you an example of that, when we looked at, you know, like we're ex-consultants, so we looked at data from all the data sources available in the market. And what we figured out is that, you know, like the, the market is roughly 45% eyeglasses, 45% sunglasses, and the rest is, is contact glasses. And we said, you know, like, this is what we will sell online. So we went and bought uh, a lot of eyeglasses and sunglasses and put them on the website. We started doing some marketing, and to our surprise, it was a tiny inventory of 10% of contact lenses that was getting most of the traction. And when you think about it, it just makes sense. you know. Like People know what to expect when they buy contact lenses online. For sunglasses and eyeglasses, you need a lot more to add more to the value proposition to, to make it exciting for customers to buy online. Um, and, and that was like our, our first pivot, pivot where we still had to move from uh, focusing on eyeglasses and sunglasses early on into focusing on contact lenses. Uh, so since then, like, the company has changed and now we're a lot better distributed across the categories. Uh, but initially, we focused on contact lenses, even though it wasn't in our radar on, 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 on our initial plans. Yeah. So, like, you, you guys,
1: I mean, you know, we, we, when we started NOAA as well, we, you know, one of the big areas of focus for us was kind of this hypothesis that Retail is evolving. E-commerce is one element of that, but then you know other elements uh, within that within how retail is changing is you know, you know online e-commerce certainly one, and then you know private label is another big part of that enabled by uh, online online commerce or e-commerce, and then kind of figuring out this this online offline uh, dichotomy where like you know people consumers like the experience of shopping offline or of discovering offline, right? And this is kind of true of multiple categories, but probably most true for, you know, on, uh, for eyewear, for example, where you have to get, it. there is some tension in that transaction where you want to, you know, you want to test your glass, you want to see the glass, you want to feel them, you, you, need, you need an eye test, etc. So, I mean, you guys are like core to our thesis. Maybe it'd be worth kind of talking about like the evolution of the business model, how you went from, you know, purely, you know, online, pure play e-commerce through to private label and then through to kind of offline retail, right? And how that evolution came about and what kind of drove it and
2: how you are thinking about that? So I think early on, this was always part of our vision. And, you know, because we said we want to build the largest eyewear company in the Middle East, that was the vision from day one. And to be able to do that, we had to dominate online where no one was doing anything. Uh, But eventually, you know, we had to go after uh, the offline as well because that's, again, a sector that hasn't been disrupted in our region at all. And we believe there was something for us to do there. And on the private label, uh, the same thinking is, is when we looked at the market and its situation today, we realized you have a bunch of incumbent large chains that have been around for 100 years. They're all selling exactly the same products at really high prices, even compared to global benchmarks. The prices in the region are a lot higher for the same products. And there is really no differentiation between them. And so our, our view is very simple. is We can start by being the largest e-commerce player, selling third-party brands and shifting customers you know that are ready for it, from being retail customers to buying online and bringing them the convenience that comes with it. Uh, But as we started collecting data about our customer preferences, and as we started understanding the market better, we quickly saw that there were clear gaps in the market and that across categories you had, uh, you know, demands that the customers had, expectations that the customer had that were not addressed by any of the incumbents. And that's why we started introducing brands that were addressing those gaps. And the reaction was incredible. Like very quickly, these brands started picking up, and you know, grew significantly within uh, our online business. And you know, from there on, you know, we saw that there was strong demand for these uh, products that were speaking directly to our consumers. That were offering something that they were that was not available in the market, and that kind of just confirmed our theory that even if we go offline and open, uh, you know, a retail store that will offer a completely different experience from a uh, product point of view, but also from a user experience point of view. So a lot more focused on the fashion aspect of eyewear because today eyewear is a fashion product with prices that are a lot more affordable with uh, an offer on eyeglasses that's a lot more simplified so that you you don't need any medical jargon when you're buying from Iowa. It's a fixed price for your eyeglasses um, and, and very easy to access for customers that we would be able to disrupt the offline as well. And again, you know, we launched our first store in December 2020 in uh, in Saudi and we've immediately seen, um, uh, you know, the, the, the demand and, and the excitement from our customers and the store has performed, you know, above our expectation.
1: What do you think is driving that, you know, excitement? Is it? Is it because you're, is it the nature of the product? Is it the price point? Is it the fact that you're kind of, try to bring together this kind of online, offline experience? What, what is it that's kind of creating the excitement and all the success in, in, in retail, in the retail space?
0: Uh, I think it's really the fact that we listen to our customers and that we listen and we build the products around what they want and what they're seeking. So we've, did, we've done that with our private labels. Uh, We use data we use their past purchasing behavior, but we also like created a lot of customer panels where we spoke directly with the customers To understand what is it that they're looking for and we use that to create original collections and original brands that, that are really speaking to them in the way that they will connect with and We did the same thing for our retail stores. We are doing things different We are listening to them and we're providing them with a much better experience than what is available elsewhere the category of eyewear has not been you know, innovating in the retail space for the last you know, like 20, 30 years, like the same stores and the same experience with the same type of branding is that, that was there like 20 years ago is still here, like in, in most of the malls and, and, and the retail stores. And what we're trying to do is to come up with a different concept that is more in tune with what the customers want today. So that, that is really like the main differentiator and, and what it means in practical terms is that our look and feel of the store is very different. Our pricing is a lot cheaper. We're 50% cheaper to 70% cheaper than comparable products for the same level of quality. We have a much higher uh, uh, customer service level. Um, we, you know, like we, when it comes to customer service, like we try to compare ourselves to the best of the world, like Apple, which is completely unusual, <clears throat> which is completely unusual for an eyewear company. Um, like They don't benchmark themselves about uh, to, to, to tech companies when it comes to the service level. Um, and, and, and this is what overall connects with the customers, is that we speak to them the same way online and offline um, and through our social media. And our store is a reflection of you know, like the, the values that we carry also on, on, on our website and app.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing that must be a, a challenge is that, you know, in building this omnichannel, you know, online, offline uh, business driven by private label, this is kind of a new, uh, I mean, globally, it's a relatively new space, you have like the likes of Warby Parker or Lance Cart elsewhere in the world. But I mean, generally, this is a new space, especially in our region. How do you find talent for this? How do you find people who kind of get it? Like, do you, you I mean, can you try to recruit from abroad or do you say like, you know, come, let's, let's build this together, let's figure it out together. It must not be easy to kind of like find for these roles.
0: As much as possible, we always try to hire people that have local experience um, and, or we prefer to hire local people, but it depends on the type of functions that are going to be carried. For some functions, it's completely fine to have remote, team members and this is something that we have fully embraced since the, the pandemic and now like about 25% of our staff are, are fully remote working out of Egypt, of Jordan, of Uganda, of South Africa, uh, Ukraine. Uh, we have a team member in Brazil. Uh, we have team members in Nepal, in India, in, 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 in Sri Lanka. So really we're, when a function can be done remotely, we just look for the best candidate, for the best talent, for the best cultural fit with the way that we work. But when it comes to dealing with our customers, we prefer to be very locally present. So, for example, our customer care team is based out of Dubai, and that is something that is unusual. Like most of the companies that have a lot of volume of customer care, they do that out of Egypt or uh, other countries where they try to focus on minimizing cost. We see it as a, a as a as a profit center, like in the sense that it allows us to be closer to our customers and to have the direct uh, pulse on, you know, like if we're doing things right or if we're doing things wrong. Um, When it comes to marketing, that's the same thing. So local experience, and local knowledge is more important than the technical knowledge. Um, And and whenever possible, like we push people to get the technical knowledge. So like we have sponsored a lot of trainings for our team members, uh, we push them, like, to get certifications. Uh, we're happy, like, to, you know, contribute to their school fees, like, if, they're, if they want to do, like, a master's degree, like, on, on top of their uh, of their work, like, just to, to complement their skill set. You know, this is something that we embrace. Like, everything that is digital is moving very fast, and it's completely normal for anyone, uh, you know, like, to, 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 to have to keep up with the pace of this all of these innovations. So you want people that have that open mindset of learning and being curious. Um, and, and, and that is more important than you know, like getting people from outside. I
2: think, just to, add, just to add to that, I think um, the fact that this is something that was not done um, a lot, you know, there are a few global examples, but as you mentioned, we're the first ones in the region to be going from online to offline. I see that more as an opportunity. Um, where you know we don't have any preconceived ideas of that omni-channel experience, and this is really where our product team you know is putting their focus is just without any preconceived ideas what would be the the you know perfect customer journey um, for a customer to seamlessly be able to shift between the two, um, and that allows us you know to just come up with given today's constraint and given given today's customer habits what's the perfect customer journey for us to build and we don't have any constraints around it. We can actually build it uh, the way we, we want and that is as adapted as possible to the reality of our markets. And, and I think that's, that's a great thing. Similarly, you know, if you look at Awa, 99% of the team members have no background in optical. And that was something, you know, that we did purposefully because we don't want uh, people that have a preconceived idea of what is an optical store in the region today. We really wanted to come up with what we believe is the ideal uh, uh, experience for our customers in the situation that they are in today
1: cool so as i as you think about like the future what what is a kind of measure of success in a few years time is to be the largest eyewear kind of retailer in the middle east full stop is there what, what other measures of success would would you consider really important besides making a lot of
0: money i mean that's always a good measure of success but like, yeah <laughs> I, I I think like depending on the timeline that you look at, i think two years is is um is 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 too quick like we we like to think a little bit longer than that uh, um you know like for us like a, a, the timeline we're looking at the time frame at which we look at is more four to five years and and really what we want to accomplish there is um to to have like a uh, to have been able to expand to the rest of the Middle East. So right now we're mostly focused on the GCC, but there is North Africa that will, that, that, that is in our radar. We want to also go into Turkey, into Pakistan. So there's other markets that have a lot of potential where we're not present yet. Uh, so that's something that we want to do both online and offline. Um, on top of that, you know, like we, I mentioned earlier, like we have created brands, but all of the brands that we have created live under the umbrella of Iowa today but eventually we would love to see some of these brands have a life of their own, uh, being available elsewhere and having, um, uh, you know, like having maybe like even their own uh, e-commerce websites, having their own stores. That is something that we're exploring. Um, Another, you know, like metric that's really important for us is just, you know, like uh, maintaining the customer satisfaction that we have today like we have a very high NPS of 67 and we're still working on improving it Uh, but this is a challenging thing to to maintain as you grow in scale so that having like the same level of satisfaction or hopefully even better is something that 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 is like a, a goal for us and and finally like even as an internal goal is you know like it's something that makes Mehdi and myself very proud is that we look at all the team members that are uh, contributing into creating this company and uh, that are being rewarded uh, for that and that, that, you know, like they're making a living thanks to to, to this idea that, that Mehdi and myself started, uh, you know, like four years back where it was only the two of us and now we're uh, 150 team members and, and you know, like we're impacting that many families positively. Um, so that's also like another metric that's, that's important to us is to, in general, like be like a... a um, a positive contribution to society by having people that are happily employed, uh, that are making a good living, and that are providing a service and product that is, you know, like uh, providing giving happiness to customers. Got it, got it. So you've just raised the major round. So
1: congratulations on that. I think that's huge. I think you've raised. Um, well, why don't you talk talk us to, you know for a minute about like the round and what what you want, what what it looks like, and then.
0: What do you want to accomplish with it going forward? So we, we have raised that we we just recently closed that 21 million series B, um, which happened in, in, in two tranches, like the first tranche, which you were one of the first investors like last year uh, where we did like a a bridge round and eventually like we uh, moved into an equity round and we closed it um, uh, recently. So the idea for us is that this is fuel for our growth. For the last few years, we have been um, looking for the right product market fit and we have been testing a lot of ideas and and we kind of figure out what is the right source uh, that customers like, that we know how to reproduce at scale. And and this is the fuel to make it happen. Um, So it's about taking us to the next level and expanding geographically, opening a lot more physical stores and offering this true omnichannel experience um, that we have been planning for years.
1: What are your kind of biggest challenges going forward? What what worries you? What keeps you up at night? What's kind of scary to you? Is it like Amazon, like you know, coming into the segment? Is it uh, you know lack of funding going forward? Is it, you know, retail offline versus online? What's what's kind of your top kind of worry in the next kind of couple of years?
2: I think really looking forward, the primary risk for us is on the execution. You know, uh, that we believe that we reach now a scale and A presence online um, and you know we're planning a very aggressive expansion offline just this year uh, already that you know obviously competition is there and we always watch out for what they're doing but I really believe we have a highway in front of us and the main challenge for us is to be able to execute and execute really fast Um, you know especially if you look at retail this is a completely new topic for us um, and we've, we've opened already a couple of stores and we've seen great results and this is very promising for the future, uh, but we have to build an entire retail organization from scratch and in a very rapid time. And this is something that was never done in our region before. Um, so, you know, that's really what I believe at least is the main uh, challenge for us is to be able to get the right people fast and execute really fast our vision. Um, I don't know, Enes, if you have anything you would like to add on this.
0: I think you, you, you nail it, like you, when you speak about the execution, you know, like we, we have to focus on what we, we, uh, we know will work, what we know works. And, you know, like th- there's that saying that strategy is not about what you do, it's about what you don't do as well. And I think that, you know, like we, when you have like a new influx of funding, uh, you start thinking about all of these other ideas that you'd like to explore, that you'd like to test. But at the end, like you have to focus on the core, you have to focus on what works and you have to execute and, and deliver against, against it. And, and this is what's uh, keeping us busy, is to make sure that we're able like to remain laser focused on, on customers and, and making them happy and offering them the best products for eyewear and the best shopping experience. Got it. And, um... You know, you, you guys
1: have been in the market for a couple of years, for a few years now, so how are, you, how are you seeing the kind of financing environment change for companies such as yourself in the past, like, year or so? I mean, what, what was it like fundraising? Whether you're in the market, you, you talk to other entrepreneurs, other founders. How do you feel about what's happening in the market? What's, what's your impressions?
0: I think that there is a lot more offering of funding in the region. There are a lot more players, be it in Saudi, in UAE, in Egypt. There is a lot more funds that are dedicated to to, to startups. Um, there is a lot more of the f- traditional family offices that are looking at it as, a, as an asset class and that are putting money towards it. So that's very good for entrepreneurs because they have a easier access to funding, but that's still really very little compared to what's being done elsewhere. Um, uh, like If you look at the funding uh, that happens in, in the U.S. on a yearly basis, um, actually, it's the other way around. If you look at the funding that happens in the U.S. on a daily basis, that's basically what happens in all of the Middle East on a yearly basis. So we're very, very far in, in terms of amounts of capital raised. And, and this is still something that, uh, that, that needs a more work. We're very happy like, to see NUA Capital be very successful and fundraising $100 million in the first fund. That's an amazing uh, milestone. Uh, but I think that there is still a lot more to do over the next few years because there is a lot of potential. We have an amazing um, audience. We have a, a good population with uh, increasing purchasing power. And there are a lot of problems that need to be solved. Um, and capital fueling, solving those problems is, is, is very important.
2: I think like, overall I'm very optimistic about the you know the uh, uh, ecosystem i think as Ennis mentioned it's not mature yet um uh, but what like the evolution we've seen in the last four years you know since we started um, is just incredible i think there is also um, efforts from the governments to enable more entrepreneurship and and they've made things a lot easier especially in saudi arabia you know where just setting up as a as a startup was a big challenge a few years ago and now they made it so much easier which which is kind of enabling more and more entrepreneurs to be there. And I think that slowly starts driving more funds. Um, I think early stage funding, you know, we're really getting there. Seed rounds, even series A, we now start finding a lot of funds uh, that compete over the good startups. Uh, Beyond that, it's still a bit of a challenge. But on the flip side, I think the other positive trend we're seeing is more and more interest from international funds. You know, that we're not really looking at the region uh, that we're focusing mostly on Southeast Asia and you know and India that this was the next frontier markets, but now you know those markets are already maturing, and they're starting to see that there is a lot of potential in the Middle East because you have a huge population and the ecosystem is still nascent and I think that competition coming from outside of the region is also going to be great and going to move things uh, in our in our own markets
1: um, I think maybe lastly, like what, what do investors do well? in this part of the world and what, what could you see more of? What do they not do well? I mean, in, in, full, in full transparency, what is like, without naming names, obviously, but you, unless it's us, then you can talk about us. But like in general, I mean, don't wanna don't, don't, uh, cast aspersions at others, at us, it's fine. But like uh, uh, generally, what, what do people not do so well? What, can, what, what, what is not good in terms of like how investors have worked with you in the past and how can, what, what do you think should be done better?
0: So I think when you look back at the last 10 years of VC in the Middle East, the investors uh, did not have a lot of competition and therefore they did, they did not evolve into having the right set of reflexes. For basic, for example, being super responsive and very quick to action, uh, very, having very standard uh, term sheets and, and, and documentations for uh, like the, the, the uh, subscription agreement and shareholders agreement and so on. Um, this still takes more time than it should um, and I think it's just a factor of competition and this is somewhere where the VCs can really differentiate, differentiate themselves. If you're faster at giving an answer, be it a yes or a no, that makes a difference for the entrepreneur because we, it, it is like a painful and lengthy um, experience to, to fundraise and you value having quick responses, you really value that a lot. And, 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 and having like more of a standard approach like when it comes to term sheets and, and SHA, I think. But this is also like will require some maturity from the entrepreneurs, like to be fair, because like even the entrepreneurs, like they, they, they sometimes are not, you know, like understanding of what is like the market standard and what is the market and, and how it's evolving. But as we will be seeing more and more seasoned entrepreneurs and people that have been part of other success stories like soq or Amazon uh, or or kareem um, and and the other startups that have full exits um, you, you will have like seasonal t- entrepreneurs that have a better understanding of terms and and that will help the overall market Mehdi, something from your side? yeah yeah
2: I think the only, the other thing I want to add is um uh, the same way the whole ecosystem is still maturing, I think VCs always are also going through that phase. I mean, you, Khaled, you're a veteran of the VC world. You've been in the, in, in the industry for a while. Uh, but if you look at a lot of the new VCs that are starting, a lot of them, you know, a lot of the partners come from more of a private equity uh, mindset. And I think that also you know that mindset is very different from the expectation of VC, where you have to be as enes mentioned a lot more reactive uh, but also a lot more risk taking and and you know kind of making bets thinking thinking long term thinking uh, you know where this is going in the very long term and uh, i think this is something that is still uh, needing to change and uh, but again i'm very optimistic i think as more and more of uh, uh, startups start developing and there are more and more VCs, the competition will increase and I think that will kind of fix itself.
0: We can speak about this for hours. <laughs> but another thing that comes... Uh, we
1: were, ta- we're talking on a good sc- uh, string now. So like, keep going, keep going. Keep going.
0: <laughs> but another thing that you know, like, can be very helpful in the ecosystem is that if a lot of VCs know each other but they don't have like a co-investor mentality, but I think that, you know, like this is something that can be helpful for the entrepreneurs is that when you like the company, you can either do the full round or bring other investors with you that will complete the full round. Uh, instead of having the entrepreneur work on convincing 50 people, if they come to you, for example, Khaled, and you like the idea and you want to do it, you can tap into like other VCs or other pockets of, of, of funds that can tag along very quickly and, and rely on your, on your due diligence and your selection process. Um, I think this is something that is that, you know, like still emerging in this market uh, and that can be also very helpful for entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, I think there's some great learnings in that.
1: I think, you know, you're saying that perfectly, which is the ecosystem is evolving. It's changing. The the the, the founders are becoming much more, uh, like you know, sophisticated and like you know, accomplished such as yourselves, and then also the VCs are changing in the sense that this the whole market's evolving. So we'll see how it all kind of shakes out in the long run. But it's uh, it's definitely an interesting time, for sure. So uh, so guys, thank you so much. I think we're just running out of time, but I really appreciate your your time with us today. This was great. Uh, would love to kind of do this again and like have done different topics and stuff. But I enjoyed the the thing around the like everything you said, but specifically around. Uh, the ecosystem's evolving and that's all, always fantastic. So thank you very much for, for joining us. Really appreciate your time today and, uh, and hopefully we'll get to see you guys soon in person. Haven't seen you
0: guys in person in a while. Oh. That's true. Always a pleasure to talk to you Khaled. Thanks a lot and thanks for having us. Um, looking forward to meeting you face to face.